0: 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe in the gospel, which is God's power to salvation. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Righteousness, Righteousness is going to keep the upright in their way, but wickedness overthroweth the th- the sinner. I keep saying the fifth's, the fifth's. We want to know what's the right way to do things because the wrong way to do things is going to lead to our destruction. As normal, my Monday live streams are usually all-encompassing. Plus, I missed a couple days. Veterans Day. Met with a couple people in government last week. If you're not following me on Twitter or X, you should. It's at Jaron Jackson, at J-A-R-R-I-N Jackson. I did a five-hour stream where I served an affidavit to the Chief Justice of the Oklahoma Supreme Court. We'll see how that goes. Um, This is interesting because whenever we understand the fundamentals, we're starting to take action. And Last week, I wanted to model what righteousness looks like. And that's available for your free listening on Twitter, on xjaronjackson.com, or at at Jackson. I'm probably going to start doing more stuff like hosting spaces on X because that is where the algorithms aren't going to destroy you. That's where you can basically say what you want to say without getting restricted. Obviously, Rumble is there too. But I also believe that um, most people are on Twitter. Most people are on X. I've been kicked off YouTube. Facebook significantly and severely limits my algorithms. Um, I mean, it's it's like obvious. Anyway, I, wanted, I want to talk about, if I can, escalation into Lebanon. How Israel is going to go to war with Lebanon. How I believe that it is a foregone conclusion. I believe it was already determined on October 7 or shortly thereafter. But I want to get to that by way of Ukraine first. And I want Americans to have a sober perspective about our military posture, about the geopolitical layout of things. We are in a really weird position, a really bad position, and I wanna be sober about stuff. So when we are trying to be sober, it's important to understand the truth, which of course, one of the difficult things about the world events is how do you know what's true? I'm not in Israel, I'm not in Ukraine, How do I know what's actually happening there, except for by people telling me what's happening? And this is one of the challenges of discernment, certainly for the Word and the Bible, but also for reading the times. There's so much information. How do you determine what's real? How do you try to make sense of it? And how do you bring it back and bend it to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what I intend to do and try to do every day? One of the ways that you can help me before we get going is to go to PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren, PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. Take this money that you're already using to shop for products that are in your home and switch it to an American manufacturer. Direct product purchase delivered right to your door. It's a membership cancel anytime. No fees for cancellation, no hassles for cancellation. It's a great way to support the work that I do as I am in partnership with them. But it's also a way for you to support American manufacturing and get our nation back to the fundamental principles, which is we should be making stuff and we should be exporting it to the world. Instead of bringing people here and exporting our manufacturing, we should be doing it right here. I'm also going to be joined with my wife, by my wife on Thursday in a Zoom meeting. For people that don't like how I just explained it, if you want more information, that is at the registration link which is in the description below. Click on that. That's this Thursday, November 16 at 7 p.m. Central Time. My wife and I will be there hosting a Zoom meeting to talk about the Patriot Switch opportunity. Appreciate your time. God bless you on that. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. The wickedness. See, it's not just the fact that you sin. It's the fact that you're wicked. It's the fact that you do things on purpose that are wicked that are going to overthrow you. If we can, let's take a step back and let's take a tour over to Ukraine. What's going on in Ukraine after a couple of years. Now, I was from the very beginning not supportive of military involvement in Ukraine. You remember at the very beginning there were people saying that there were biolabs in Ukraine. I can't prove that or not, although there are people that have started to say that the American Department of Defense had testing facilities there. I'm also not a Russian plant. I am not a Russia first guy. I'm an America first guy. And from my perspective, I saw the geopolitical landscape create opportunities for the military industrial complex to get American money, American treasure, American blood and bodies in the game overseas in foreign combat zones. And that is something that I am completely against. I don't believe that foreign wars fought by America actually help America. I'm revisiting the ideas of World War I and World War II. How could the Nazis have gotten over here? How could the communists have gotten over here? How could those things happen? Now me revisiting these things are going to challenge and rival the modern construct of America as the world superpower. I think that is a bad way to see America. You should not look at America and take pride in America as America is the one and only world superpower. You should take pride in America because if you're from here, amen, it's your home. But we are also the nation built on Christian principles whereby our Christian founders believe the Bible and recognize that they were sinners just like everybody else And so instead of holding themselves in higher regard than other civilizations, they considered themselves as being prone to the same sin, pride, jealousy, greed, corruption, complacency. And they designed a government whereby if Christians believed the Bible and kept attention on the Bible, they would be able to prosper. It's no surprise that America is and was, I should say, the world's only superpower because we were so prosperous because of the ideas And the biblical values that found our nation. So when I look to the Ukrainian war and Russia's invasion into Ukraine, most people wouldn't recognize the fact that the American-led NATO alliance just kept gobbling up former satellite states of the Soviet Union. And Ukraine was one of those nations that used to be in the Soviet orbit that the people in Russia consider as their front doorstep. And so when Ukraine started to become an orient towards a NATO member, Russia just wasn't going to abide that because why would you let your enemy plant itself right on your front door? But see, that perspective a couple years ago when the Ukrainian war kicked off would be something that would get you kicked off, deleted from the major channels. But today, it doesn't matter. People have moved on from Ukraine, so let's explore that. I want to look at this uh, notion right here. This is one of the scariest things that I've seen in a while. This is from Patricia Morin's, and she is saying the North Korean deliveries uh, of weapons. So North Korea is delivering weapons to Ukraine. When North Korea is delivering weapons to Ukraine for new capabilities to Russian forces. As she reported in September, the agreement between the Norks, which is what Rush Limbaugh called the North Koreans, the agreement between the Norks would be based on 122-millimeter rockets with a range of 40 kilometers, 122 Mike-Mike and 152 Mike-Mike artillery shells, as well as the K909 KN-09 system with its guidance missiles. She goes on to say that the military capability of Western militaries has been now overmatched and overwhelmed by that of the Russians by way of the North Korean help. Now, if I can just break this down real fast, the Russians, with this rearmament from North Korea, now has more rockets at a greater distance than what the Ukrainians had whenever they were receiving military assistance and arms from the United States. But because the United States has not given the Ukrainians money in a little bit, haven't given them arms or weapons in a little bit, the Ukrainian military is in a position where it is about to break. Ukraine is about to fall and if this is the case, Russia will be able to do whatever it wants in Ukraine because Ukraine is at the breaking point. And now take into consideration this has come because the American media or people in American media or media that Americans consume have been saying that Ukraine is fighting and Ukraine is strong. No, they're not. No, they're not the only thing that could possibly stop them are the rumors of a heavy investment of American military hardware and money. Which candidly, with the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and his attention and reorientation towards Israel, I don't think Americans have the stomach for it. And if we're just candid, this this is now the sober analysis. I believe the military-industrial complex in America was looking for a war to get involved with so that it could make money. And for the last two years, that's been Ukraine. It's just been funneling money, funneling arms, funneling weapons and equipment. But for some reason, the American people never quite got to the position where they wanted to support American military in Ukraine. And this is where my skeptical mind looks at the attacks on October 7 against Israel by Hamas and the jihadis. And I look at that and I say, where was the Mossad intelligence? Why didn't they know about it? And during the seven-hour unfettered attack where the perimeter was breached in Israel, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, didn't do anything to push back and fight? That doesn't make sense to me. And because that doesn't make sense to me, I take that not making sense with the larger non-support of the Ukrainian war by Americans, and I recognize very quickly that there is a substantive shift of operational focus in the Middle East. Not to say that the Ukraine's in the Middle East, but there's a shift from Ukraine to now the Middle East. And this is because I believe that the petrodollar needs oil. The military industrial complex is the global police force to keep control of the Middle Eastern oil fields to maintain the hegemony of the American petrodollar. This means that foreign wars need to be happening in the Middle East so that the military-industrial complex doesn't just make its money, but it also preserves control of the oil fields. And whenever the attacks on Israel happened, they were bad and they were devastating and they're vicious, Israel then returned and went into Gaza. I believe that Israel underestimated Hamas. This is a graphic that I saw that shows... From Al Jazeera, so you can you know claim that you don't agree with Al Jazeera. I get that. I I understand the criticism. This is a graphic from Al Jazeera that shows the outlined portion of Gaza, right? The left is the Mediterranean Sea, and that white line shows the, the barriers, the walls of Gaza. This is those red dots are destroyed Israeli armor, destroyed Israeli armored vehicles. Now, from November 3rd to November 8th the number of Israeli uh, armored vehicles allegedly reported by Al Jazeera went from 385 to 295. So almost 100 armored vehicles of Israel were lost in Gaza over a span of five days. Now this tracks with what I was saying that the anti-tank systems are very sophisticated by people in Hamas. So whenever you have armored vehicles from Israel come in, the AT systems, anti-tank systems, are were they were postured to do a lot of damage. The urban setting chokes off the fields of fire, limits the mobility, and armor is not intended for just to camp out and be uh, a static, you know, um, uh, a force. Armor is meant to be the 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 back breaking cavalry charge that breaks and decimates the other army and then chases them down. So whenever you use armor in a static position, you can do that. You can strongpoint something, but you're not actually using armor for the reason why it's armor. The armor is armor because it's fast, it's mobile, it's got shock value. This is traditionally the cavalry. Well, the cavalry is not intended just to be stationary and fight because... The horse will get. You know, the horse has. Uh, the horse has a counterpoint. You could scare a horse or whatever, just like on a tank. The tank has a counterpoint, and that counterpoint is a shoulder-fired rocket right through the armor, will penetrate the armor and destroy everything inside for cheap. So a very expensive mobile killing machine tank is easily counterpointed by an anti-tank system, and the anti-tank systems in Gaza are incredibly sophisticated. You take that and you pair it with tunnels and you recognize that the the doctrines of fighting on land are thrown out when you go underground. Underground you don't have radio comms, so you can't talk with the people above. You can't even talk to the people to the left or right. The visibility is diminished. There's not even uh, residual illumination for your night optical devices to pick up that so you can see underground you're going to have to you're going to have to go with thermals but with thermals you're not going to be able to understand who people are so you can't adequately, in my opinion, positively identify targets under under the ground. You can't crosstalk. You don't know how tunnels mix and match and bend and back forth. It, 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 it disrupts your ability to see how far you've gone. It disrupts your own orientation because you're underground and you won't be able to like see where you are, how things are. The volume, the sound is just magnified uh, by, you know, many times. If you fire a rifle without ear, ear, uh, ear protection, it's loud. If you fire a rifle under the ground in a tunnel, it is just going to echo. And so you talk about uh, the kinetics underground, the loss of mobility, the lack of communication, the lack of situational awareness, the increased probability of fratricide, and you take into account the fact that these tunnels have been booby-trapped. A couple days ago, there were five Israelis. The first guy, the Moshi Yeti leader, the guy in the top left, these dudes right there were killed in a booby trap, killed by a booby trap in a tunnel. These tunnels are inflicting mass casualties against the Israelis. I believe that the Israelis undermined Hamas. I believe that they undermined the their ability to fight urban warfare in Gaza, either because they didn't account for the AT systems, which is a pride issue or they haven't trained the tunnel warfare, which is a, a competence issue. The other part that I see is the fact that Fox News, if you want to believe them, Fox News was reporting that. US warplanes have already struck, struck and are striking targets in Syria against quasi-Iranian targets. Watch this. Oh well, Jennifer, this sounds like huge news.
1: Sean, we can report, uh, based on senior military sources, that U.S. warplanes have carried out airstrikes tonight inside Syria against Iranian proxy forces. We don't know the number of strikes. Uh, We were told earlier today to expect that perhaps Uh, F-15s and F-16s would be involved in the airstrikes, but we don't have confirmation yet about how many warplanes. But those strikes have been carried out. I'm told uh, it is in response to the more than dozen strikes against U.S. bases. Uh, The message is a clear message designed uh, to Iran and its proxy forces to stop carrying out these uh, drone and rocket attacks against U.S. bases. Um, But I'm told that the planes have safely left the area and that the airstrikes uh, are complete at this time. Um, they were uh, targeting multiple locations inside Syria and Iran- Iranian proxy forces, Sean.
0: Yeah, so war planes are increasing. And just so we're clear, the U.S. Constitution grants Congress the power to declare war, Article One, Section 8, Clause 11. If the U.S. Congress hasn't declared war, then the U.S. is not on a, for, uh, a war footing. If that's the case, what... Authority, what authorization does the US military have, which is in strict control to civilian authorities in this nation? What authority, what power, what grant of authority does the US military have to bomb these targets? This is this is one of these things that because we've allowed ourselves to think as America, think of as of America as the world superpower. Well, we just go police people. we we got we to gotta fight Iran and Syria. we got to fight these proxy targets. By what grant of power? You're going to go kill and destroy in the name of America. Where did we give you that power to do that? See, the U.S. military just presumes to do these things, which is why they bomb people and why they, I believe, this escalates tensions. This escalates tensions to the fact that right after that bombing, Right after that bombing, you have something that I didn't think I'd be able to see. This is the Iranian president, Rossi, meeting the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia in Saudi Arabia. This is the leader of Shia Islam meeting with the leader of Sunni Islam. Watch this. then in these moments the heir apparent prince Mohammed bin Salman receives the Iranian Ibrahim Raisi in the headquarters of the Arab Islamic summit this the first yeah 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 they got a bunch of arabic stuff so basically these guys are meeting Shia Muslims hate Sunni Muslims and but the only people that they hate more are Jews when Mohammed was on earth there was a period where he was peaceful this is Surah Five when he says there is no compulsion in religion. Well, that was because he was in Medina, and in Medina he was a political uh, he was a political inferior. He was the political minority. But then, whenever he moved to Mecca, he became a warlord, and he became the political majority. Whenever he was the political majority, he would have revelations from like Surah Nine, which would allow him allow him to go kill people and have sex with anybody he wanted. And so this uh, trajectory of Islam makes it to where the blood, the gore, the violence are the ways to heaven. In fact, uh, Abu Bakr, who was a friend of the prophet, said that he would not believe that he was in heaven had he one foot in, in paradise. Because Allah is the greatest of deceivers. Quran, verse uh, Surah 334. <clears throat> the idea that I'm trying to get at is this break... In Islam, after Muhammad died, there was a break. People believed. Some people believed that Ali, his nephew, was the uh, successor to Muhammad's throne. Other people believed it was Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was the guy that would be the caliph, and that caliph was where Sunni Islam went. People who believed in Ali as the descendant of Muhammad, uh, the successor of Muhammad, became the Shi'as, and so the the difference is. There are stark theological differences, but the fact that these people hate each other from a theological perspective, but yet now they're uniting. Now, this is where, and I want to address this, because there's people that will hear what I'm saying, and they'll automatically start thinking, well, okay, so all of Islam is uniting against the Jews in Israel, and that's what the Bible teaches. I don't think that that's what the Bible teaches, because Romans 9, 6 through 8 Modern Israel is not Israel. Not all of Israel is of Israel. So we need to read our Bibles and understand that these are nation states that are not biblical, that hate each other for non-biblical reasons. They have their own idolatrous religions, their own religions that aren't of Christ, that aren't what the Bible teaches, and they hate each other. Some like 2% of modern Israel is Christian, which is effectively nothing. And Jews that practice the Talmud basically have their New Testament, which is the Talmud, tell them how to interpret the Old Testament such that they don't see Jesus. So people who use the Talmud today aren't Jews that were of the Old Testament. Plus, the temple is destroyed, so there's no more position for animal sacrifice, which was the way that you atone for sin in the Old Covenant which tells you there is no Old Covenant, which is what Jesus said whenever he said that all the tribulation that would happen to this generation, Matthew 24, 34, happened in A.D. 70. So when we look at the geopolitical politics of the Middle East, we need to recognize that these people all hate each other. They all need Jesus. And the fact that they all need Jesus and they hate each other, and now they're doing things to bring the United States in. In fact, if I can, there is a, uh, let me bring this up. Oh, where is it at? There's this. Let me bring this up. This is, uh, let me jihad this real fast. This is from Axios. Again, you can believe that or not, but Axios says they got a scoop. Austin warned Gallant. Gallant is the Israeli dude. So Austin, Lloyd Austin is the former uh, American military secret sectef. And Gallant is the Israeli guy uh, about uh, Israeli military actions in Lebanon. This was a couple hours ago, like 17 hours ago, it says U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin expressed concern to the Israeli counterpart Yawav Gallant, Gallant in a call Saturday about Israel's role in escalating tensions along the border between Israel and Lebanon, according to three Israeli and American sources briefed on the call. This matters because they're basically recognizing some of the Biden administration are concerned Israel is trying to provoke Hezbollah to create a pretext for a wider war in Lebanon that could draw the United States and other countries further into the conflict. This is according to sources briefed on the issues. Now, what I'll point out here is the fact that this is what I was saying weeks ago, whenever I pointed out that two U.S. carrier strike groups moved in support of Israel. And I said that the strike groups quartering off and securing the naval supply line to Israel is the United States subsidizing and funding and affirming the Israeli military operations in Gaza. Moreover, there are multiple brigades, both in the Army and the Marines, that are on call, strict call, and they are being forward deployed right now. These types of positions, these types of maneuverings, take weeks and months. We pointed out, I pointed out a couple weeks ago that it was six months. It was six months of buildup for the Iraq invasion in 2003. Well, if October 7 happened, and that was over a month ago, that was now five weeks ago. If that happened five weeks ago, the strike carrier groups moved into position almost almost immediately, and now you have more logistical support and more American military hardware moving in that location. My point is, of course, there's going to be a broader military operation in the Middle East. And so I look at this Axios scoop and I'm like, well, if you just looked at what the military was doing, you could see that it at minimum acknowledged that it wasn't in a position to respond if things got bigger because Trump pulled out of the Middle East. And so either A, at a minimalist perspective, the military is going in to provide uh, you know, operational cover or operational strength if something grows. But now that you've got Saudi Arabia joining with Iran and Lebanon with Hezbollah looking at its larger arsenal, if you thought the AT systems in Gaza that are ravaging the IDF in Gaza, if you think that's bad, Lebanon and Hezbollah, I should say Hezbollah makes... Uh, Hamas look like freaking kindergartners and then whenever we recognize like I was saying earlier that the Norks have given weapons to the Russians in Ukraine, Ukraine is not going to be where American military put their stuff. Their pivot is towards the oil fields which is where they want to be. They don't want to be in Ukraine. There's the, the, the military payoff for occupying Ukraine is not the same as it is for occupying Iraq or Lebanon or Jordan or even Iran. Not even the same ballpark. So it's a higher payoff target for the military industrial complex and the central bankers to have war in the Middle East versus war in Ukraine. They were able to money launder and run money through Ukraine but they could do that too whenever they set up shop in the Middle East. This is my cynical brain. This is how I think this. So I look at the fact that the, the U.S. military its now being reported that we don't want an escalation of, of war in Israel uh, because they think it'll trigger Lebanon. The, the answer is, of course. Of course. But see, these stories don't happen in a vacuum. These stories are usually always attributed and they're, they're usually always... Uh, linked to some other type of propaganda. In other words, the American mind right now is being bombarded through the eyes and through the ears for the key terrain of the mind, the prize of the soul. The military-industrial complex needs to fight both sides in order to convince Americans that war is a foregone conclusion. See, I, at this point, I don't even think that it's about drumming up American support for war. I think it's more about convincing Americans that war is a foregone conclusion. And this is my perspective that because the godless commies, the globalists, the bad actors, all these other people, because they have so far, they think, they have so far uh, taken over power that they can just do whatever they want, now it's less about what people actually want and they're just gonna do it. Which is also one of the main reasons why I preach live local, which is why I learned the fundamental law. This is why I look to my teacher Dave Jose to do these things, to get righteous government, because I can't look at the military and stop them by myself. I can get back to the fundamental law, declare what the fundamental law is and grow those concepts, grow that competence and that power for self-righteous, for for self-government so that we don't get this outcome. But because the military industrial complex isn't keen on selling the war to Americans, I believe it's now just focused on convincing Americans that war is a foregone conclusion. And to do that I think that you will see more and more videos saying that there's threats or there's plots or something that hasn't happened yet. But just throwing it out there is a way of telling and training the American mind that the enemies want to come do stuff to us which is probably true but again it's not about disclosing the truth as much as it is presenting something so that people when they believe it they'll go along with the solution that's sold as the response.
2: This video was posted online by a channel affiliated with Iran's Revolutionary Guard It vows to kill former American government officials, including President Trump, to avenge the 2020 U.S. assassination of the terrorism mastermind Qasem Soleimani. Threats like this have been deemed credible enough that several of these officials have been under round-the-clock protection, including former Defense Secretary Mark Esper, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Iran reportedly offered a hitman a million dollars to kill him. And John Bolton, the former national security adviser.
1: They bargained, the price for me would be $300,000, which I have to say I found insulting.
2: So what exactly was the plot against you?
1: The Revolutionary Guard sought to procure either my kidnapping or my assassination. Uh, not directly by a Revolutionary Guards member, but by seeking a hitman who would carry out the
2: job uh, either in the U.S. or abroad. The FBI has an arrest warrant out for this Iranian officer claiming that he hired the hitman online to travel to Washington, corner Bolton in a garage, and kill him. But it turned out lucky for Bolton. The assassin was an FBI informant. This was not
1: internet chatter. This was a negotiation to murder an American citizen, a former government official.
2: Is the threat against you ongoing?
1: We've got marked Secret Service cars that say police, United States Secret Service, outside my home.
0: It's not lost on me that John Bolton is the biggest war hawk on the right. The dude wants war. But the point that I, the reason why I showed this is because if this goes into your eyes and into your ears for your key terrain, it's it's training you, it's reinforcing the idea that those people over there are doing stuff to kill us here. And instead of having a sober response that says, Okay, John Bolton, Donald Trump, anybody else that they listed is just like a super uber minority fraction of people. It's a handful of people. I don't want them to be killed. I don't want that stuff to happen, but you're talking about a very small majority of people as as opposed to hundreds of millions in the United States. And so this disproportionate influence is, well, they want to kill John Bolton. That shows that they're going after public officials. And then the psychological pretext is, well, what does John Bolton say that Iran, who's our enemy, would want to kill him? That would be a way of then using John Bolton's psychology and his political positions as what we need to do in order to fight the guys who want to kill him. And this gets to that, that, one, of that one of that really fallacious ways of thinking. It's like, you're over the target. Well, what if, you should, what if, what if the target is a target, but it's not for you to bomb it? Iran's evil. But that doesn't mean that we need to bomb them and destroy them. How about we focus on America? How about we secure our borders? How about we use the fundamental law? How about we stop having our kids being perverts? Stop butchering babies in the womb? Stop recognizing fornication and homosexual marriage and all these other things? How about we take care of us and the people who, would, who deserve to be bombed can just not be bombed while we take care of ourselves. And in that righteous way, we will then export influence that's nonviolent, that's not military industrial complex, and that will change the world. Don't lose sight of the fact that even China talks about human rights. If rights come from God, and China's communist, which means they hate God, they literally have a political government that says we're going to smash and stomp out any notion of God. How can a communist nation feel the urge or the compulsion or the influence to at least show the world, hey guys, we talk about human rights too, which is a concept that comes from Bible-believing Christianity. Don't, don't miss that fact. Don't miss the fact that Christian ideas have changed the world have thoroughly changed the world. The way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we do stuff, it has changed the world. So why would you give that footing away whenever some godless comic globalist, neocon, who always wants war, he's never found a war he didn't want to fight, he he didn't want someone else to fight for him. John Bolton has never found a war that he wouldn't want someone else to fight for him. Shame on that dude. And here he is saying, they're gonna kill me. Well, I don't want you to be killed. But I also think your ideas are stupid and you're always advocating war. And what's that got in America? It's gotten Americans killed. It's cost a lot of money. We've fatigued our military to where it can't even protect us right now. To where we have hollowed out the American uh, spirit, hollowed out the American heart to where the bad actors in government are running amok, doing whatever the hell they want. Because people here at home are complacent, indulgent, self-aggrandizing, self-righteous, pugnacious and lazy. So, yeah, I don't like the fact that they're threatening John Bolton or Trump or even Hillary Clinton. But that don't mean that we need to just go bomb them. Maybe that makes sense. I hope so. And this really gets me to this idea that there are people that are just... They they use violence to solve problems. Like this very famous uh, instance in Panama last week where a 77-year-old dude... Murdered two guys in the street. Watch this. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably should have put a graphic warning or something like that. I apologize. I, I've seen the video. I, I was probably thinking you were too. I should have. I should have said, "Hey, heads up! Hey, heads up! The guy." Just shot people. Now, these were globo climate protesters blocking a road in Panama Panama, and this lawyer, this 77-year-old American lawyer, just pulled out a gun and shoot the guys after they wouldn't get out of his way. This is what I don't support. There are some people that will say, you know, F around and find out. You know, he murdered those guys. They posed no threat to him. He murdered them. Thou shalt not murder. So just because I'm politically against these stupid people blocking highways, doesn't mean that you would go up there and calmly shoot them with a firearm. That's murder. So I distance myself from that. And I'm not even going to try to be the, the edgy, conservative guy that's like, yeah, shoot these guys. No, don't shoot them. I want these people to know Jesus. I want these people to know the gospel. If they're sitting in the middle of the road protesting freaking climate change, it's because they think that man is going to destroy the world and God's not. Which means they don't know God. They don't know what the Bible says, which means they don't re- they, they reject it and they don't know Jesus. So he just sent two people to hell forever because they don't know the gospel. I don't support that. I don't support it because it's murder. I also don't support it because it doesn't proclaim the gospel. That discredits your witness. How are you going to go tell people about Jesus if your solution to their problems or your solution to them as a problem is you shoot them in the face doesn't make sense to me doesn't make sense to me uh, coming back home, there's a bunch of injustice. This is this morning, the courtroom when Don Jr. is there and Letitia James is just smiling. This is injustice. I hate it. T- commentary follows.
1: The fact that the Trump sons, the Trump organization, did not try to have this conspiracy to defraud banks and insurers uh, to get special rates on their properties by inflating those financial statements. Now, if you remember, Don Jr. was on the stand as a state's witness just about two weeks ago, and he distanced himself from being you know one of the top heads of trump organization and preparing those financial statements so when he takes the stand for the defense
0: yeah uh, the the nuances of the case um admittedly don't interest me I, i i looked at this and my bias is i support trump i don't really like don jr but you know whatever uh i i do like trump i do support trump so my bias is straight up and i've never even looked at this and given it any kind of uh equitable accounting just because the godless commies in the media have never given Trump equitable accounting. He's a bigger threat to them. So I acknowledge my bias there. I also now, as I understand the fundamental law, recognize that this lady is using statutes that are past their time and the judge is doing stuff that he doesn't have the right to do and the attorneys are not arguing Trump's rights. So you've got a lot of malpractice you got a lot of bad uh, law about a, a bunch of bad people bad actors not doing what the law says and so now that I recognize that I'm like yeah I definitely don't like things and uh, all the nuances of um, you know bad accounting or overpricing things I think that is irrelevant when it comes to Trump's rights have been trespassed but I look at this and I say, if, they're, if, if the godless commies are that overt to do that, then I believe that this has an influencing effect on Trump's people. It's certainly allowing the people who hate Trump to salivate that Trump might be going to jail or he, that he might not have his name put on ballots if he's convicted. But there's also this idea that people who look at Trump being persecuted, and he is being persecuted, they will look at him being persecuted and they will stop right there. They won't learn. They won't think about how they could do something different. They won't consider the fact that, well, if Trump's being persecuted, how about you take that and flank? How about you go do something while he's taking all the slings and the arrows? If Trump is the guy that the godless commies hate and the godless commies are using stuff to go at him, why don't you at that point learn how you can go freely maneuver while they're focused on him? I want to, if I can, with love and kindness, bring up this young man. His name is Nico Delgado. Nico Delgado. He's in Arizona. And um, I believe that this young man uh, represents what is good in the nation. He's a articulate political conservative, rising generation. But I believe that he's using... Old, obsolete, powerless presumptions. Well, watch this, and then we'll do some commentary. Go ahead. When Donald Trump said drain the swamp, he wasn't just talking about the Democrats. We need to drain the swamp of the Republican National Committee and the Youth Advisory Council. We need to start winning again, and we can only do that if we get new leadership. Yeah, this is uh, straight out of a baby boomer GOP normal RNC playbook. This is narrative control and it's been genetically, it's been generationally passed down. The gen, I mean like young people don't think like that. That's, that's not what a dude in his teens or early twenties thinks. We need to challenge the RNC to get new leadership. That's what, that's what I was saying whenever I was running for office almost a decade ago. We need new leadership. We need new leadership. And you recognize the old talking point of new leadership doesn't ever change. Someone will always be able to say, we need new leadership. Now I'm not trying to come hot at the guy. I'm not trying to like come down hard. I'm not trying to insult. What I'm trying to say is that there's a market opportunity for people to get involved with politics who say things that people who have been involved with politics or have money or have influence want to hear. And if people want to hear and see young people say we need new leadership, that doesn't actually get new leadership. That's the first thing. But two, what it does do is it keeps all parties complacent because the young people saying we need new leadership aren't actually experience, uh, experimenting or trying new things. They're just saying we need new leadership and the subtext is that being young and not having done it presents yourself or presents someone like you as the option. That's the unspoken part. The unspoken part is he's young. Now I, I, I'm not again. I'm not coming at him. I don't think that he's running for office. I just I think that he's an activist. I think he's an activist. And i you know, as a guy who ran for office three times, there's a recognition of he will. This young man will probably run for office in the future. And I I don't think that that's bad if that's where his uh, heart is leading him. Amen. God bless him. We need good men and women to serve in office. To serve in office. And therein lies where I want to bring some correction to say it's not just about saying we need new leadership because that doesn't do anything. We need to return to the fundamental principles. We need to bring the fundamental law to bear against our bad actors. To tell them, this is where you're doing wrong. This is where I have the power to correct you. This is where you swore an oath to obey. This is where you can't do what it is that you're doing. You don't need political parties to do this. I don't really care about the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. And when you recognize the fundamental law is the law and everyone in government, regardless of their political party, agrees to it, whether they do it or not is another thing, but they swear to it under oath. Which means that there are processes you can do to assert that law to compel them to perform for the contract that they signed to. You can do that. And this happens in real life right now. So if people start thinking, well, President Trump is persecuted and they just sit back and wait for Trump to get reelected, that's failure. If they look at the the injustice that's going on against Trump, his family, his business, and they don't learn what the law is to recognize that, wow, his attorneys aren't actually arguing his rights. That judge is actually going against common law. This uh, prosecutor is freaking politically uh, motivated. Like if you can't see those things and see where the Constitution smashes those things, how do you respond to them? And then if you take that idea that Trump or our political champions are who we need to do the stuff, then you translate that and you give that to the future generations, whereby they will look at things that are bad, correctly assess that they're bad, but incorrectly say what the solution is, which is, we need new leadership. Because everyone says that. We need new leadership. And then Nikki Haley was saying that. Nikki Haley was saying that we need a new, she, she never moves her mouth, we need a new generation of leaders. We need a new generation of leaders to run the Republican Party. I am that person. I am Nikki Haley. That's what she always does. She had a new generation of leader. It's this idea of new and change and fresh, but it's the same tired one-string banjo. Now, I want to, if I can, to go to a leader in the movement, people who's a, a person whose voice is politically influential, Steve Bannon. I agree with what he says here. I agree. But whereas he's wanting to go further, I want to go furthest. Go ahead. Even if a Democrat was to win, there's no compromise here. What you're saying is even if Trump lost to Biden, there's no going back to the old no, Republican it's party. No, farther right than Trump. Farther right. President Trump is a moderate in our movement. You're going to pine in future years that you wished Donald Trump was around. Now, of course, this, um, this scares the political left. But I want to go further and I want to completely destroy the right and the left construct. That's that's an enslaving mindset. That enslaving configuration of our politics keeps people tribalistic on things that are irrelevant. When you look at the law, you should be tribalistic on the law. Jesus said, You're either with me or you're against me, Matthew 12, verse 30. Those who gather with me are with me, those who don't are scattered. Right? The people in Christ gather with Christ. We're not a Republican or a Democrat when we're in Christ. Although I can't see how many people who support butchering babies in the womb call themselves Christians with any kind of integrity. At the same time, when Steve Bannon is saying, we want someone further right than Trump, I say, amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. But further right isn't on a political spectrum. It's further right in the sense that I want someone who's shameless about putting America first. I want someone who is bold about saying what the law is. I want someone who does not give a crap... When you say, I want to mass deport people, I want to criminalize abortion, I don't want homosexual marriage, I don't want people perverting kids, I want currency that's actually backed by something instead of fake stuff, I don't want foreign wars, I don't want to be manipulated by foreign countries like Israel, I don't want my politicians to be able to have political knowledge and make investments and never be held accountable for them. These are the types of things that I I say whenever you get the fundamental law, it will smash these things. So looking at Bannon saying, yeah, well, you will rue the day, that you will opine for the day, you will love the day, he's talking to the leftist, you will love the day when Trump was in office, because you will regret the fact that we've pushed so far right. I wanna smash that, and I wanna get back to the fundamental law. I want the idea. I want the time when Americans know the law so well that their their servants in government obey when they send them notice, obey when they send them affidavit because they know that the people know what the law is and the law is coming to smash them. I want to, if I can, to give some examples of this. This is a meme, just shows societal progression. In 1979, you had marriage kids people running around in love 2009 you have homosexuality and no kids with the married couple and you know uh, fewer kids in the background and then now here in 2022 you've got some black dude with pink muscle bound with a dog and then an old guy with a little girl and then people in the background that are all weird um, and, and you see in the back, the top left of each picture, like how the, the buildings are growing, how the cities are growing and all that kind of stuff. This is the progression that's going on. But I don't just want to leave you hanging. I don't want to just leave you with this, oh man, I want to give some hope. I want to point to this idea. Look at this. This is a real real girl, real woman, woman with wisdom. It says, at Magdalena, ha ha ha, 2017, verse 2020. Thank God for what I did in those three years. I stopped hanging out with people who were bad for me, letting them influence me, self-harming, being anxious and depressed, listening to music that made me feel terrible, being angry, being lukewarm, looking like a clown. And then here she is. And it's literally the meme. It's literally the meme of the blue-haired, choker necklace, you know, Feminazi on the left with the down-home, country, traditionalist, loving, warm woman on the right. So there is hope. There is, I mean, that is just anecdotal. It's one example, but it's there. There's goodness to truth. Now remember, Proverbs 13, verse 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. I want to, if I can, point out a couple different things. There was this Michigan town, you may remember. What's it, the Grand Charter Township or Green Charter Township, something like that? Michigan town votes to oust entire government over Chinese uh, factory parts or factory plans. So this small town in Michigan had elected leaders that were whoring themselves out through a contractual opportunity for a Chinese car manufacturer to come and do an electrical vehicle plant there in their small town. Now, the normal way of selling this is create jobs. You ever recognize that? With free market capitalism, creating jobs is kind of like the political bulwark that just smashes any kind of resistance. If some godless coming corporation wants to come in and take crap, uh, tax credits, destroy local mom and pop businesses, and, and actually ship manufacturing overseas by bringing in the only company that will, uh, that will produce anything, what that does, is it makes the town dependent on the corporation. And if the corporation is the one employing all the people, then the corporation can actually leverage the political leadership and the government to give it benefits so that the corporation will make all the money and make all the profits and will actually make the people dependent on the company. Well, the people of this green township, Michigan, did not like this. They voted everybody out. They changed the locks on the doors and they killed the contract. Amen. Good for them. I will point out that there was people inside Dave Jose's groups that sent message that said, uh, yeah, we, we helped educate the people with our notice and they took the reins and fired the whole board. Like this type of stuff is going on. People who got involved, send notice of the fundamental law, informed people. Listen, if you're a town, you can write local laws. If you're a county, you're body politic and corporate, which means you are a sovereign entity that can make your own stuff. You don't have to be railroaded by these large corporations. You don't have to allow your government officials to, to sell the soul of the community to these global corporations. A corporation is a created entity. And a created entity, if it's doing business in America, it's created by the government, which means the government controls it. He controls that which he creates. And so if the government creates an entity, and an entity is doing something to your community that you don't like, did you know that you can tell an elected official that they have the power to go destroy that junk? That they have the power to go tell that entity what to do? Well, Jared, no, it's a private company. No, 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 no. If it's a corporation that the the government formed, the government formed it, which means it's a public corporation. It could be used for private benefit of the incorporators, the people who uh, are running it. But if the government created it, the government can destroy it. When that clicks in your head, you'll, you'll see power all over the place. And this is where I saw this in Rutherford, Tennessee. City ordinance banning public homosexuality reaches Rutherford County libraries. This was just a couple days ago here in uh, uh, down in Rutherford, uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In Murfreesboro, Tennessee, a new city ordinance targeting public homosexuality is hitting libraries. When in history have the ones banning books been the good guys, says local activist. Of course, they would count and, and quote a local activist. Another uh, article says, Rutherford County's library system bans four books with LGBTQ plus themes after a Murfreesboro decency ordinance. Now think about this. The decency ordinance. First of all, this is a local municipality there in Tennessee, making an ordinance about decency. Now, if you look to the maxims of law, where are they at? Over here, hold on. If you look at the maxims of law, you can see that there's a maxim of law that says Christianity, the Christian religion, is part of the common law. I will show you after I turn to it. Get my handy-dandy camera and a pen. all right where are we at maxim 49i the christian religion is part of the common law law 327 the i oh and look at this hold on no man warring for god should be troubled by secular business um how about that which is against divine law is repugnant to society and is void oh let's put some pervert books in some schools Why? Well it's repugnant to society and is void. That's a common law maxim. When people understand the common law comes from the Christian tradition, they will look at their fundamental law, they will study their state constitutions, and they'll recognize that Christianity is the foundation of this nation. We've gone far away from it. We don't really track it. We don't uh, do our due diligence to read our Bibles or to preach the gospel or to hold those in government accountable to the oaths that they swore according to the meaning of the text that they swore to. But that doesn't mean we can't. I don't support being the 77-year-old in Panama shooting somebody in the face just because they're blocking the road and I want to drive. I don't support looking at our political champions and our politicians as though something will happen and they are the saviors for this. I don't want rising generations to look at the political left and the right and say, well, we have to just get new leadership. No, 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 no. Your government isn't the leaders. The politicians aren't the leaders. They're the servants. The leaders are the men that lead their homes the leaders are the moms that teach their children. The leaders are the boomer generation right now who are the people that have 75% of discretionary income in America and with their shopping habits, they can change, literally change, the structure of the economy if they understood their dollars were bullets. If they connected the fact that how they spend money directly changes how the country operates, they would use their money to change the nation. People need to understand that they are the leaders. Jesus gave you talents. He expects you to use them for him. If you do not use them for him, when he returns or when you go see him, he will say, I gave you that talent. I gave you that chance. I gave you that opportunity. And you did not use it for me. You lazy Slothful servant. This, of course, is contingent. Not contingent. I mean, Jesus does give you talents. But recognizing Christ gives you talents and that you owe him a duty and an obligation for that. You owe him glory. You owe him obedience. That won't make sense until you believe the gospel. This world has a lot of problems. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of uh, perversion. The answer is the same thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The answer to your bad marriage is the gospel. The answer to the fact that your family is fractured and frayed and falling apart is the gospel. The answer to the bad church that you go to that doesn't preach the Bible, that, that, that actually preaches like a hippie, go love Jesus, is the gospel. The answer to your neighbor that hates America, that loves homosexual marriage, that thinks that Joe Biden is the smartest man in the world while he falls down on the stairs, the answer to that neighbor is the gospel. The r- answer to public libraries putting perverted books in schools or school libraries putting perverted books in schools is the gospel. The answer to unrepentant, disobedient, unlawful, bad actors in government is the gospel. The answer to the wars in Israel or the wars or the escalating wars in Lebanon is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died for our sins Put himself on the cross as someone who was sinless, as someone who was virgin born, as someone who was perfect. Put him on the cross, put himself on the cross, bled out during a traumatic, vicious, bloody, unjust death. He was di- He was dead. He died. He was put in the grave. That means that your sins died with him. Three days later, he physically rose from the grave. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the good news. Your response to that good news is to repent of your sins, to confess those sins, to say, yes, I am a fornicator. I am a murderer. I am prideful. I do think I'm better than other people. I don't really give a crap about people that I don't care of. Like these things are true about me. Confess those sins. Repent, turn away from those sins, confess those sins, so that Jesus gets the glory over them. It's not just about the fact that you're telling people that you're a sinner. It's the fact that whenever you say the sins Jesus saved you from, you're declaring the victory he has over the stuff that was conquering you. And when you declare what Christ has conquered over you, you get to glory in the fact that God is so good that and you are so bad, but you are saved because he is that good. And that will give, that will give you joy that is unsurpassed. That will give you uh, pride in Christ where you will recognize there's no value in anything except for the blood of the lamb. And because of that, you will, you will do things that you would never have wanted to do because now you obey the king. You will be baptized in Christ's name because that is your obedience to the king that saved you to say, die to me. Show me you are dead to yourself and show me that you have died in my baptism. You have participated in my baptism. Show me that. Show me. Do it. Obey. And you will readily do it because you want to serve the king. You will do it because the Bible says to do it. And you will go and preach this message. It will put you in positions that are hostile, that are painful, that are frustrating, that are uncertain. The glory is that when you are in those bad times and you look to Jesus and you have that discipline to say, hold on, my, my brain is telling me to go back to the way that I was. My preference or my bias is trying to read myself into the Bible because I want the Bible to agree with me. Or you'll look at the world and you'll say, I don't like this. I want to escape this because I can't influence. You'll realize that he is the king overall. Why do you have to go change the world whenever Christ gave you your foxhole, your talents, your opportunities, and the mission? He's given you everything to go do what it is that he wants you to do. You don't have to go save the world because he already did. You get to go bring the gospel to the world, which is a form of conquering, which is spiritual conquest. It's spiritual invasion. It is an unfettered, unrestrained, total spiritual war against literally everything. Every object, every person, every idea, power, principality, anything that elevates itself against Jesus, you are in total spiritual war against. But that doesn't look like the way that it sounds. That's going to look like grace. It's going to look like wisdom. It's going to look like love. It's going to look like patience and forgiveness. Those who are poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will not behave like the rest of the world. And the rest of the world will take note. The rest of the world will declare war on you. The rest of the world will be destroyed by the working of the gospel through you. This doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. My dad passed from stage 4 cancer. It was a vicious death. He was a double amputee. Lots of pain. Lots of suffering. Christ got a lot of glory from my dad. Because of my dad. My dad died well. My dad showed me and everyone around him what it was like to take this vicious, ravaging disease and focus exclusively on Christ. And while everything was coming down around him and ripping him apart and just destroying him, he would just elevate Christ all the more. To where at the very end, the last thing he says is, His grace is sufficient. The man had just said to pull the plug, let him go and die. And as he's looking at eternity, he's saying his grace is sufficient. That makes me, that motivates me, that equips me. that, That example equips me to talk the way that I talk, to do what I do, to think the way that I think because I got to see my dad best friend, mentor, my father. I got to see him die because I got to see him live. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Friends, one of the best ways to help me is at PatriotSwitch.com slash We spoke about it earlier. There's a registration, reg, registration? <laughs> I can't even talk. There's a registration link, a registration link In the description below, uh, this Thursday, Katie and I are going to be hosting a Zoom call. You're invited. Uh, Click, register, hear about an opportunity to support an American company, American manufacturing, um, and a a different way of thinking about money, a different way of thinking about how you use your money, and different opportunities. There's also Humble Coffee, humble hoping coffee at humblewb.com, or excuse me, humblewb.coffee. This is delicious air-roasted coffee. Nothing fake nothing uh no additives no chemicals no putting in a you know metal drum roasting it over a fire like 99% of coffees if you like coffee if you like delicious coffee that's not full of a bunch of crap that'll kill you go ahead and go to humblewb.coffee humblewb.coffee it looks like this this is my best seller humble blend and on the side We've got Bible verses. So the whole thing is that you drink your coffee while you read your Bible because I want people to read the Bible, believe the Bible, and go preach the gospel. Portions of proceeds goes to mailing Bibles around the country. Appreciate your time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Don't quit. Go to war.